0: John Clayton powered through the Alaska Airlines
1: studios
0: streaming live at 710sports.com on demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app now John Clayton and
1: joining us is Michael Bumpus and Michael before we get started talking about the Seahawk cutdown and Seahawk training camp and all that stuff great job uh doing on the TV on Q13 how was it to uh, have to get dressed up just about every day to look your best and have the makeup on
0: well, thanks, John. I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you. And yes, that was different. You know, I'm used to being in my office and my sweats and my hoodie and just but, being like able to me, talk like me, sports. Yeah. You know, so it was a change, but it's nice to get all dolled up every now and then.
1: Yeah, well, you look good and sounded good, and so now we start by reviewing. Give us the overall review of what you thought of Seahawk training camp.
0: Um, John, you know it was a different training camp. Uh, everyone in the league kind of dealt with the same thing. You don't have preseason games. Um, You don't have your normal cuts. Like back in my day, you had about two or three cuts you went through. Um, For the Seahawks, the fans weren't there, but some things remain the same. Uh, this offense looked like they were efficient in that Russell Wilson had complete control of what was going on. Then you look at the additions that they had to this offense. You got guys that came out of nowhere. You know, DJ Dallas had a very good camp. Um, thought he would be in the mix, but I think he exceeded expectations. Um, and you look at this offense, the offensive line, I feel like Damian Lewis did well. He's going to be a starter at that right guard spot. I think Brandon Shell did okay. That center spot still needs to be solidified. You hear Justin Britt's being worked out, so we'll see what happened there. And then defensively, I saw a defense that was just playing faster a defense that was playing with more confidence and a defense that looked versatile you got guys like marquise blair who are stepping into that nickel spot so that allows them to give offenses different looks when it comes to defense and match up so um it it looked like a typical seahawk training camp Uh, the defense came out early and kind of dominated and then the offense got going um the main thing is that for the most part these guys came out healthy
1: yeah that's the that's the thing so now uh we what uh, would you say that the star of training camp, I mean, obviously, Jamal Adams, because we just didn't realize how good this guy was. But the other star, do you think, was uh, you know Marquise Blair?
0: Yeah, I think it was Marquise Blair. And, you know, honestly, John, coming into this camp, I thought Ugo Amadi had the edge on him just because he had played in that position before, that nickel spot. But Marquise Blair just brings a different dynamic. He's a bit longer than, um, than Ugo Amadi. And he's known to be a hitter. He's not a really big guy, but he's a hitter. And he really took advantage of that opportunity. I also think that Alton Robinson made a name for himself as well. He took advantage of an opportunity. You got the second-round pick and Daryl Taylor who um, had surgery and just wasn't able to be out there, and he stepped up. So I would say the standouts for me, the guys who benefited the most from this training camp were Marquise Blair and Alton Robinson.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And uh, certainly now, how do you think it sorts out at the wide receiver position? Because it wasn't a glowing review yesterday for um, you know, from Pete Carroll talking about Paul Richardson. And so what I'm wondering about is, yeah, you because know, obviously, you know, this being on the roster is that, you know, injuries play a factor. Uh, you also have the stuff that plays a factor, which is the uh, you know, special teams and all that. OK, so now <clears throat> to get Josh Gordon back. You know, they were able to, you know, have uh, Philip Dorsett and then you get uh, Paul Richardson back. But neither of those three guys are special teams players. And so uh you know that you know David Moore, who basically makes almost uh, as much as the three of them combined, is going to be there. Do you think there's a chance that uh, you know they'll keep even at his own salary two point one three three uh Richardson and then maybe cut paul i mean keep you know, keep the cut Richardson and then keep David Moore because again he is a good special teams player and then just have Richardson on the uh, practice squad
0: yeah, I think that's it John and you mentioned David Moore contributing on special teams and that's huge and at that receiver position it's kind of hard to you don't find too many receivers who are comfortable going down the field and making tackles and and doing all that stuff so the fact that david moore is able to field punts and contribute on special teams makes him valuable and you hear Pete carroll talk about paul richardson that's the first time i didn't hear pete sound really optimistic about a guy and i think he's kind of setting it up so that no one's really surprised when he gets cut you know, and you know, John. This this football thing—it's every day looks different. You know, what guy's injured, what guy's healthy, who's available, who's not available. And at the time that Paul Richardson signed, Richardson sign, it just looked good. I agreed with it. I go, it makes sense. We don't know what's happening with Josh Gordon. Then, as soon as you sign Josh Gordon, just the scenario changes. Now, Pete Richardson looks like he—he he would be my pick to go on the practice squad just because he doesn't fully understand this offense. Now, if he gets on the practice squad two three four weeks go by and some guy isn't performing that's an easy bump up to a veteran who's been there and done that
1: yeah and i I just see if he's willing to to make that move i'm also wondering the same thing for justin Britt. you know because justin has not been signed and so i don't know where he is with the knee injury but let's assume that uh, he's willing to come back because at least he's been here would he go on the practice squad and get the twelve thousand a week and then be available when necessary
0: yeah, and I like that move. You know, you got Ethan Postick, who I think has won the job so far, and because he's familiar with this offense, he's been there, he's done that. They brought in Finney to compete with him. But if you can get a guy like Justin Britt... And you can put them on your practice squad. There's no rush. You don't have to rush them back. You don't have to make them play right now. I think you make that move because you want to solidify this this offensive line. You want to protect your quarterback, especially with all the weapons that he has now. This offense, it's set up to have a great year. They were a top five offense last year. And you add a Greg Olson, Philip Dorsett, Carlos Hyde, DJ Dallas, uh, Damian Lewis, Brandon Shell on the, on the line. This offense got better. So, um... You know, I'm I'm looking forward to see exactly what they do, but I'm really optimistic, John.
1: Yeah, no, I think it looks looks pretty good. So it's like that can go well. And I do think, I mean, I'm glad you brought up Alton Robinson because I know talking to teams around the league, they thought that he went much lower than he should have gone. And, of course, he has stood out and been a very good player. Now, to your point, too, what do you think are the chances for the undrafted guys to make it?
0: Oh, man, it's so tough. I mean, honestly, if I didn't have preseason, I would not have made the the team – uh, for the Hawks. I just wouldn't if I played a game against the Raiders where I did well, the Vikings. You kind of get your your feet wet. The, the coaches understand how you respond in certain situations, and with these rookies, you just don't get that. Like, Aaron Fuller had a good camp. He's a receiver. Aaron Fuller had the catch of the uh, the season, I feel like, during the mock game, but he's probably not going to make the team, one, because this receiver room is deep now, and two, just because they haven't really seen him out there. And then bubble guys, you talk about the rookies. What about guys like Shaquem Griffin, you know, who, who needs to contribute on special teams and, and In other ways but hasn't really gotten a look so it's going to be tough for these guys I think a lot of franchises are going to miss out on potential because they haven't really had a chance to truly evaluate these guys in game like situations so the NFL draft in itself and and uh, picking up free agents it's already a gamble they just made that gamble that much more tougher this year
1: yeah and of course what's also going to be interesting is that uh i mean you're going to watch these cuts come down just you know what type how deep teams are going to keep as far as the receivers and all that but uh i'm, I'm looking for I mean, again i'm look, not looking forward to people losing their jobs but it's like this this
0: to me is always fascinating and it gets my database going like crazy <laughs> and that's why they pay you the big bucks, man. This is this is where you shine, John. All this contract stuff going on. People always ask me questions like, what do you think about this contract? I'm like, what did JC say, man? Let, let's listen to what he says first, and I'll get back to you.
1: Yeah. So what's your thoughts on the Clowney situation? Because uh, now New Orleans is pursuing him, even though they only have $6.9 million, and they're like $71 million over next year's cap. And you've got Tennessee making him an offer, Seattle uh, and we just watched uh, a, a great player, uh, you know, take a p- cut down to twelve million dollars, and you know that was unique in Dockway. Do you think for twelve million dollars that would be a good move for Seattle?
0: I think it would. If you can get him for twelve, definitely. You got about fourteen million dollars left in cap space. You mentioned the Titans put an offer out on the table. The Saints are there as well. I think at this point, um, Clowney has lost most of his leverage. Right. It's safe to say he's not going to get his 15 to 20 mil what he wanted. He's probably going to be around the 10 to 12 million at that point. And I think it'd be the best move for him to take whatever's on the table and just get your guaranteed money. You know, because once, once he doesn't sign, that contract isn't guaranteed. They can do whatever they want. But um, I don't see him sitting out a year. And I think that it's been a tough position for Clowney because there were times where he had all the leverage, but then camp gets going. And guys aren't dropping like you, you assumed that they would. Um, and he starts to lose leverage. And now with only, what, two, two days left before you have to sign, his leverage is gone. So unless he wants to sit out, he's going to have to take the best deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks give him the best deal.
1: No, I mean that's that's still going to be on the table. That's for sure because you know they if they, if they get him. What I think is interesting is that uh, you know I'm making starting to make my predictions, and I'm thinking right now maybe I'm wrong in this that it could be Seattle and New Orleans for the championship game in the NFC if Seattle gets over San Francisco. And if that's going to be the case, you know if Clowney goes to New Orleans, he could be the difference maker against Seattle.
0: Yeah, he could. And how how crazy would that be? You know, I was on the uh, Danny Galanche earlier today, and Danny made a good point. He goes. You know, as long as he's not in the division, you know, I yeah, mean, yeah. you're gonna have to face good ball players either way it goes, but as long as you don't, you don't have to play them twice in a year, um, it, it is what it is, but I think that the Hawks are, They're not satisfied with where this defensive line is, but they're comfortable now going into the season where these guys are. You still got Ben Samaioa. You still have Jay Reed, who had 10 sacks in 2018, and then Rasheem Green had four sacks. We'll see if he develops. And then on Robinson, man, I'm really excited about this young man. I think he's going to cause havoc. So, um, Yeah, that would be unfortunate if they were to meet Clowney in New Orleans in the conference championship game, but it's the NFL, man. Eventually, you're going to have to play against some ballers.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. And of course, the big thing is to try to get into that championship game and get into the Super Bowl. Michael Bumpus, uh, great job. No, You you, you have nothing on uh, Instagram Live today at 5.30, do you?
0: No, I do, actually. I you thought do? yesterday okay. was the last one, but today is the last one, John. They can't wrap up. We'll get it done.
1: Okay. Well, you can Instagram Live at 5.30. And who do you have with you today?
0: Uh, it's just me. Just you? Solo. Okay. There you go. Yep. We'll get get to
1: <laughs> it. Michael Bumpus, thanks for it. And have a great, uh, as I'm calling it, not Labor Day weekend, but Clowny Day weekend. You too, John. Enjoy. All right. sounds good. Listen to the show It'll be the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Newman Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
2: It's time for the Report, report card. card
0: with the Professor. Today,
1: we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We look at the... The all the different type of things as far as what goes on, as far as the, what they say, what they do. We take the in, the stories, the anecdotes. We take the uh, what goes on social media, and we certainly take the voices and put them all together and get the uh, report card together with Curtis Rogers. But before we get into the report card, the Mariners did bring Dylan Moore, the Mariners brought Dylan Moore off the 10-day injured list, and uh, you know, Lopez ends up going down to the alternate site. So uh, as they get ready to resume baseball play after the three-day break with the A's now they go against the Rangers tonight but Dylan Moore is going to be there so Curtis what do we have on the report card?
3: Yeah, John, let's get it going. It's been so long, know we've got a lot to get to on today's report card. Let's start in the Pac-12. Yesterday, Commissioner Larry Scott announced that the conference has an agreement with the Quidel Corporation, which provides FDA-approved rapid COVID test results uh, and also for a number of medical conditions. Scott called this development a game-changer and said the availability of rapid testing will allow the conference to consider resuming competitive activities before January first, Scott appeared on the Dan Patrick Show today uh, and said he's got a high degree of confidence they could be playing in January or even earlier. When is the Pac-12
2: playing football?
1: Uh, well, right now um, I've got
2: high degree of confidence we're playing in January. Okay, it's possible because of this announcement we we could play sooner. So I think the significance of yesterday's announcement and having access to this testing is you know I can look you in the eye virtually and tell you I've got a high degree of confidence we're playing. Just on a postponed basis, we're going to have a a full, exciting season uh, for our student-athletes. Well, I shouldn't say full as in playing 12 games. I think it will be abbreviated like it is in other conferences.
3: So while it doesn't sound like the Pac-12 is going to be playing at the same time as the ACC, the SEC, which kicks off tomorrow, uh, John, how are we grading the Pac-12 getting this uh, agreement in place with this corporation in order to get – Uh, sports back a little sooner maybe than they had expected.
1: Well, I give it an A+, but now, of course, what you wonder about is that, okay, now that you're getting this testing, I don't know when exactly the tests get to them, that what you're looking at is that, okay, uh, can you maybe get like the big 10 and get in a little bit earlier and start around Thanksgiving because you know, they're behind and of course things are so bad for Larry Scott right now. The presidents now have this new committee or whatever it is to evaluate what they should do. Uh, And you know, even at at the expense of Larry Scott decisions, because you kind of get the feeling he's on his way out and they want better leadership and better things going on. But nevertheless, the fact that uh, you know, it looks good. It was a good deal to get the testing done. And of course everybody should follow that as far as, Getting the test, so I'll get to give it a B plus.
3: Yeah, I'll give I'll give the conference an A for getting this agreement in place. I, I think it was best for the Pac twelve. To you know, proceed with caution because there's a lot of student athletes in the conference, and you don't want to do anything that's going to put them in harm's way. Uh, and now that there's going to be rapid testing results made available, I think that is going to be huge for the Pac-12 going forward. And maybe uh, football is able, like you said, John, to kick off around the same time as the Big Ten and, and college basketball too. Because I think uh, we there was talk last week around Thanksgiving that. That's sort of the uh, target date the Pac-12 has for both football and basketball. So hopefully they can get back out on the f- on the field and on the court. Uh, John, also on the report card today, last night in college football, one freshman made his debut that made NFL fans feel real old. Now, Frank Gore has been playing football, John, since I think they wore leather helmets back in the the 30s and 40s. He's still kicking in the NFL with the New York Jets, Well, his son, Frank Gore Jr., made his college debut last night for Southern Miss. Here's some of the play-by-play.
1: Frank Gore, now a Jet in his 16th season. The five-time Pro Bowler. Jets open at Buffalo. The true freshman running back for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, Frank Gore Jr. 5'8", with tremendous vision. Frank Gore.
3: John, how are we grading the longevity of Frank Gore
1: because his son is now playing college football? I I give it an A because I've always been a big Frank Gore fan. I've always respected. I mean, every time I'm in the locker room and he's there, he would always come over and say, okay, how am I doing? Am I doing okay and all this stuff? Yeah, I've always been. And, again, he's had a Hall of Fame-type career. He has the yards. He has all that. I'm going to give this an A. Yeah,
3: I'll give it an A, too. I mean, he just – He keeps on ticking so much that maybe there's a possibility he plays with his son at some point in the NFL. That would be crazy if that happened. I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think we've ever seen a father and son play in the NFL together, Uh, but I wouldn't put it past Frank Gore to keep on playing for for as long as possible. Uh, Also on the report card, John, the UFC made a a really cool move the other day. So back in December, a Best Buy security guard in Hawaii named Summer Tapasa, she went viral for her takedown of a shoplifter. Now, unfortunately, Best Buy uh, fired her because they thought she was a little too aggressive with the shoplifter. But, I mean, she's just doing her job. Well, the UFC and President Dana White, uh, they made an announcement yesterday saying that they have hired the former Best Buy security guard. Here is White making that announcement.
2: What's up, everybody? Do you remember the girl, Summer, that worked for Best Buy as security in Hawaii? Somebody was stealing the TV, some dude, and she beat his and stopped him from stealing the TV, and she got fired by Best Buy, which I thought was horrible. So I brought her out to Vegas. I offered her a job here, and um, she went back to Hawaii. She weighed all her options. Well, she decided to come work for the UFC. So she is now a UFC employee. So all you people thinking about around over here at the UFC, you get your whooped by summer.
3: So, John, a uh- Bad. A good situation turned bad. Now turned great. How are we grading the UFC's decision to hire Summer?
1: No, I'll give it. A, I'll give it an A because again, it's like okay, she's just trying to protect the products and he's trying to make sure that something bad doesn't happen, and so she gets penalized for that. Now they're trying to recover. So I'm going to give it an A.
3: Yeah, I'll give it an A as well. Uh, d- they didn't specify what her job would be in the company, whether it be a, a fighter or just somebody who works a- amongst the company. But great on on the UFC for doing that. Uh, somebody who lost their job in a way that, you know, was very avoidable and, and now she's she's moving on up. Shout out to her. And then finally John on the report card. Uh, the Mariners' double a affiliate, the Arkansas Travelers, announced about an hour ago that they are opening up their ballpark for fans to take batting practice September seventeenth through the twentieth an hour long session costs between fifteen and twenty five dollars per person, and you can have a group of six of your closest friends with you to take batting practice John. That's one thing I think everybody wants to do in their life, is to take batting practice at a baseball stadium, whether it be Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball, uh, how cool is this opportunity that the Mariners double a affiliate has given fans this season?
1: I think it's great. Yeah. Because as long as you know people have the mask and you respect social distancing and everything else, it's a good thing. So I'm going to give it a B plus because why not? It's like, Hey, it's something to do. you got to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't get hit. We don't have any, you know, real fights or anything like that. But no, I think it's great to be able to have the opportunity to do that.
3: Yeah. I'm going to give it an A. I think that is just going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people. Uh, uh, but like you said, you always got to make sure you're following the rules uh, and keeping the social distancing. But yeah, that would be really cool, and and especially in these markets where minor league baseball is so big, they're not having a season this this year, so they've got to do something uh, to to drum up you know any sort of I guess publicity or, or fan support. This is exactly how you do that. So shout out to the Arkansas Travelers. That is it for today's
1: report. Okay, hey, be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at five. Coming up next, boys, it's been a long time since this. We have had we go on the 710-710 text line on the Visi Hard Seltzer text line, taking your text questions. That's 710-710, Texas. We got the answers. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: John Clayton,
1: powered through the
0: Alaska Airline Studios, on demand with the 710 Seattle Sports App.
1: It is time to go on a busy heart cells or text line at 710-710. Curtis Rogers, what do we have?
3: Well, John, let's get it going from the 4-2-5. They want to know who will see more targets in Tampa Bay this season, Chris
1: Godwin or Mike Evans? Mike Evans. I mean, as good as Godwin is, I think Evans is the better of the two. He was the higher draft choice. He is the number one guy, and I think that uh, <clears throat> they're going to they're go to him a little bit more, but Godwin is really good, and the, the guy that's going to get more of the double coverage is going to be Evans, but uh, they're the best one-two punch in football.
3: Another four two five number wants to know. Do you think DK Metcalf could finish the year as a top ten receiver in the NFL?
1: Uh, not not really. I don't think they're going to pass the ball as much. But I think that uh, you know because what you're looking at is I think he'll get over a thousand yards. You know maybe sixty catches somewhere in that neighborhood. I still think that Tyler Lockett's going to be the leading receiver, and then you're going to have Greg Olson in the mix. Some of the tight end stuff. they will be the tight ends. I think will be the third best. But I'd say right now, top ten, no.
3: 360 wants to know which Seattle tight end scores more touchdowns this year, Greg Olson or Will Disley? Uh,
1: I think I'm going to go with Greg Olson because, I mean, he knows what to do in the in these uh, area in the, you know, and get the ability to do it. I think that he's going to have a good – and if you're going to be going zone, a lot of times he's so good at working the zone.
3: Three six zero wants to know, John, how much use of the fullback do you think the Seahawks will have this season, more, or less, or the same as last year? I think
1: year? about the same because they didn't use it much. Because remember, I mean, you know, Nick Bellore is the fullback and he's decent at being a fullback, but he's also a special teams core group player. And so I think you know it's not going to be much. Most teams right now don't go do two twenty one offense. You know, there's a few. Kansas, San Francisco's one of the leading ones. I mean, you're going to see a lot of it, I think, with the New England Patriots. But I think it's going to stay the same for Seattle.
3: 206 wants to know, with Seattle's deep receiving group, do you think Freddie Swain will make it as a practice squad guy? Oh, yes,
1: absolutely. It's just a matter to make sure that nobody puts the waiver claim in on him and because, again, they can keep $10. <clears throat> they are going to make $8,400 a week uh, as far as what their salaries are going to be. And so, no, I think that's, that's a good call. He's going to make it on the practice squad.
3: Another 360 number wants to know, John, could you see the Seahawks still signing Snacks Harrison or Marcel Darius? Uh, one of
1: the two, sure. I mean, but it's up to them because, I mean, the fact that uh, you still wonder if they want to play football. And it's very possible because we saw uh, defensive tackles and offensive linemen opt out. And you haven't heard Damon or uh, Marcel get anywhere involved. But they, I think there's definite interest there. It's just a matter of what they want to do.
3: 509 wants to know, John, with the signing of Josh Gordon, do you think Paul Richardson will be cut tomorrow?
1: I think he could be, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you kind of got that feel from the way that Pete Carroll talked, and again, I think it's a matter that they went over this with him as far as the possibility, because remember, it's like they did give him a signing bonus of 62-5, which they technically didn't have to do. And so I think what the idea is is that uh, you know you try to go ahead and uh, you know get the best you can and you know then when they need him they can get him but when they got Josh Gordon now again it may be different if Josh Gordon suspended you know because if he's going to be suspended for a week or two and we should find that out this afternoon I think because you know it's time. You know same thing with Randy Gregory it's like okay, Gordon's now signed. Seattle obviously sent something that gave them the possibility of, you know, getting it. So I think right now uh, we'll find out this afternoon. But I think it's the chance that, uh, you know, Richardson gets cut, but he stays on the practice squad.
3: Five hundred nine wants to know. Maybe Jim Moore's got a burner phone here because it looks like some kind of question he would ask. Will Luke Falk ever get another chance in the NFL? Uh,
1: maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like. Uh, wouldn't surprise me that somebody brings him on for the practice squad and that gives him another chance to maybe get on the roster i mean a couple teams i think worked him out in the last couple weeks but i think that there's a chance he can get back it looks
3: like his last tryout was with the 49ers back on august 13th so Mm -hmm. that's the last time we've seen him kicking around any sort of NFL franchise. 425 wants to know, will Leonard Fournette be the starting running back in Tampa Bay?
1: Uh, I don't think in week one. I think they're going to stay with Ronald Jones. Uh, but I think it's just a matter of a couple weeks that he gets accustomed to the system. You know, They get some confidence in him, but I think it's inevitable. I know that Bruce Arians said, nope, Ronald Jones is our number one guy. But I think that's number one guy for now.
3: 509 wants to know John do you think Leno Hill gets cut and undrafted free agent Chris Miller makes the 53 It's man? a
1: possibility yeah I mean uh, I think they they like uh Hill I uh, think they still want to keep him but Miller you know is a real hard hitter I know Dave Lyman thinks he's one of the hardest hitters he watched in college last year so that could be a possibility
3: 425 wants to know John do you think Lamar Jackson exceeds his numbers that he put up in 2019 or will he have a a more normal type production.
1: Yeah, I I think on on running, I think it's going to be less. Passing, I think it could be a little bit more. I just don't envision him having two straight years where he can run for 1,000 yards. That's almost too much. And you notice in camp and even when he was on the beach and stuff like that, he's been kind of getting banged up, and I know he's got a little bit of a groin injury right now. So I think he's going to be running a little bit less, but passing a little bit more.
3: Yeah, he had that one incident where he flipped over the handles of a jet ski while running. That was not a good look. Uh, Another 425 wants to know, John, do you think Tom Brady is still a top five quarterback in the NFL?
1: No. I don't. I think he's a top seven or eight quarterback, but I think what's happened now is that the younger quarterbacks have moved up. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still there. Tom dropped off. I mean, what, he only completed about 60% of his passes last year. Now, part of that was the lack of receivers that they had. They were pretty bad in that area. All they had was Julian Edelman, a banged up Mohamed Sanu, and they were weak on tight ends. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to be revitalized in this offense. I mean, he's got three good running backs to work with, three good tight ends to work with. He's got good receivers, so his numbers are going to be much better, but uh, maybe if that's going to be the case, that could move him up into the top seven, but I think right now he's more seven or eight.
3: We're working on Labor Day. This text from the 360 though wants to know, John, what is your favorite food for a Labor Day barbecue? Uh,
1: I, I would think right now it would probably be some ribs, you know, something like that. You know, good, good I like that. Uh, you know, good barbecue sauce and stuff like that. So I would have to save some ribs.
3: I like that. Always good to throw burger on the grill. Some hot. Yeah, burgers.
1: and, and the, the tough part is I'll be doing serious from four to seven that day, so it's like uh, I won't be able to, you know, get on the barbie.
3: Yeah, we'll have a full slate of shows on uh, on Monday the seventh. So make sure you're tuning in for that here on seven ten ESPN. Uh from let's see here this one is from the 425
1: they want to know how many running backs do you think Seattle carries on week 1 five i think it'll be you know four halfbacks and Belour at fullback so i think it's going to be five because you know i think you know Homer's going to make it DJ Dallas is definitely going to make it i mean you've got Carlos Hyde and you've got Chris Carson
3: this one from the 206, John. They want to know who do you think leads the league in rushing this year?
1: Boy, good question. I think a lot of people think it might be Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb is one that uh, you can do it. I think that Josh Jacobs down in Oakland or in, with, the, with the Raiders in Vegas, I think that he has a chance to do something like that. It's going to be a pretty competitive race, no doubt about it.
3: Two five three wants to know what's the status of Miles Sanders heading into the start of the season. Well,
1: he's the starter, but I still think that the Eagles are looking around to bring somebody in. I was surprised that you know they didn't do something with uh, Leonard Fournette. I mean, you know that they wanted to get Carlos Hyde, so they're still looking for a running back. But Miles Sanders is a starter.
3: And finally, John, this one comes to us from the two five three of the teams still in the hunt for Jadevian Clowney. Which one do you think he signs with?
1: Uh, I still won't rule out Seattle, but you still have to be skeptical. Uh, I would have to think Tennessee has a little bit more money to spend and so uh, but again New Orleans is the one that's pressing the hardest and you know when they press they usually get the guy that they want and that would give them Five first-rounders on the defensive line, which is pretty impressive. And if I'm clowny, I would lean toward going to a 4-3 team than a 3-4 team. There's more money at defensive end as we uh, as we watch. And also, I think there's a decent chance that uh, you know he can do it. But we'll see if Seattle can stay with him and where New Orleans goes. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, it's our time for the Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: It's John Clayton, powered through the Alaska Airlines studio, two hours every day, 10 to noon, streaming live at 710sports.com, on demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: Time for our Daily dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby, and so Dave, lots of stuff on the Seahawks right now, but also lots of stuff on what I'm calling it now instead of Labor Day, because it seems like this is only when uh, Jadevian Clowney does deals, we're calling it Jadevian Clowney Day uh, coming up. Uh, trying to get something done. New Orleans has sent a coach down to try to recruit him, even though they only have $6.9 million of cap. Tennessee's made him an offer. Seattle's still waiting. Jacksonville's pursuing, but they're not going to be a very good team, so I don't think it goes there. What do you see happening with Clowney?
2: John, I wish I knew. If I would known, I would have told you months ago and would have spared us all this speculation. But um, I suppose uh, my, my hunch has always been Tennessee, so I'll, I'll stick with Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're pretty right on that. Uh, the only thing is, is that you know, if he doesn't lower his demand of 15, he's going nowhere. But he's really got to make – this is the deadline time right now because uh, he's still – wherever you go, you have to uh, go through the COVID testing. Ha- that's going to take three, four days, and then you have to get your physical and then uh, you know get everything all set.
2: I suppose there's a chance he'll take the year off, but I, uh, it just doesn't seem as likely in the NFL. It's a much tougher choice than it is in – other sports, uh, so uh, I suppose that in the back of my mind that's a possibility. But uh, you're right; he's got a lot to get through, and, and I would I would assume that. The drama will be done by this weekend. He will have to make a decision.
1: Well, see, that's the thing that's going to be so interesting because, you mean, know, there's so many players that are still out there that you know may just not want to play this year. I mean, we haven't said much about Devontae Freeman, who turned down a one-year, $3 million deal because I think he wanted an $8 million deal. And much like Clowney, he's kind of holding to the idea, if I can't get my money, I'm not going to play this year. So you kind of wonder about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't think there'd be many guys that would do it just because of the nature of the NFL. It's so difficult to... To um, you know, to to sacrifice a year when you have so few, but if there was ever going to be a year you were going to do that, this is obviously it.
1: Oh yeah, no question. And so now it's a matter of the waiting game and all that. It puts a lot of drama into this weekend. Do you see any surprises on the cuts coming up for Seattle?
2: Um, specifically, no. But but uh, in a macro general sense, yes, there always are. And uh, I think you know because of the, the, the lack of. Um, you know, having a normal training camp and, and having uh, exhibition football games being played, uh, even though I don't think it's such a terrible thing, uh, I think it just it, it makes it absolutely, if you're observing from the outside, almost impossible to, to, to probably sense what they've got going on uh, on the inside. So uh, I don't know who, but I expect that, yes, there will be guys that people will look at and be. I didn't think there was any chance that would happen, but, you know, we don't have the same information that we normally have. And even when we do have that information, John, uh, the Seahawks tend to pull surprises, so uh, uh, the easy answer there is yes.
1: Yeah, your thoughts on the return of Josh Gordon while they await the commissioner to give a decision if he's going to be uh, suspended for a week or two?
2: Yeah, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I mean, to me, he he he's a guy who fit in, number one, so, I mean, in terms of playing, he can play. Now, you're talking about a guy who's, what, John, a seven-time loser?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Eight-time yeah. loser, something like that, in terms of, so you're taking a risk there that he doesn't relapse, but you know, you believe in your culture here for a for good reason. And, and you know, he, he seemingly has done what needed to be done. I mean, you know, I know he had his brother pass away, which obviously was was uh, was a mitigating factor last year. But he seemed to fit really well. Uh, he seems to fit with Russell Wilson really well, which is a top priority as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I, I I think that, you know, I mean, it's it's relatively low-risk maneuver in terms you know, obviously he'll be taking up a roster spot to fit it on to someone else. But, I mean, the, the potential reward seems huge. He seems to be such a good fit. And just imagining what, what they can look like at wide receiver with, with him out there and Metcalf out there and Lockett out there, if they're all you know, operating on all eight cylinders, I mean, that, that's as good a, a trio as, as, as the league would have if Gordon it shows the, shows the form that he's flashed before. So I like the move.
1: Yeah, it really was. And of course, uh, came together and I think they were happy about it. They were able to get DeMontre more out there as a pass rusher. And again, you you know they're gonna be angling for different things to try to add to the roster to make it better.
2: Yeah. I mean that's what's what they do and, and like we said, that the, while well, there'll be some surprises here from our perspective, there's gonna be others around the league that'll probably get their attention as they always do. So uh, it's just gonna it's gonna be fascinating to see. Excuse me, John, you know, who has the advantage. Going into this year, I mean, uh, you know, talk about surprises How about Cam Newton being named captain of the Patriots. I mean, who would yeah. who would have thought that when that signing happened? So, I mean, it's 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 a year to expect the unexpected in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be an interesting twenty four hours. Okay, so from the hockey standpoint, any any good uh, things that you're oh, looking at?
2: Great there? stuff, John. We got three game sevens in the next two days. I mean, that, that's that's all you can ask for. You got uh, Colorado, I believe in. And Dallas tonight, and then uh, last night uh, Philadelphia in double overtime, forced a game seven with the New York Islanders, and Vancouver shut out the, the uh, shut out Las Vegas four nothing. So um, they got a game seven coming up this weekend as well. So as far as hockey is concerned, three game sevens in two nights, and, and as we know, as we've said many times, no matter what the sport, nothing beats a deciding game. So uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's great stuff. It's a great weekend for the National Hockey League.
1: And how about for the NBA?
2: NBA is kind of getting started now with uh, the with, with the uh, with the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals getting squared away. So they're getting they're getting cranked up, and uh, you know it's uh, LA story. It looks like in the West, um, the Clippers seem to be coming around at the right time. You know as they, they started their series here with Denver, and and uh, so I mean it, it's it's interesting seeing that, and and Boston Miami's been at in an interesting start to it as well. So I don't follow the NBA as closely, but you know anytime you get deep into the playoffs, it's always good. So you know you've got that you got the US Open you got the Kentucky Derby this weekend of all things so a lot of live and, and the Mariners should be back playing again so a lot a lot of live sports for the labor day folks
1: and, of course, I know one thing that uh, you always look forward to is college football. And so the news out of yeah. the Pac-12 is that uh, now they were able to get a uh, testing company to be able to give them instant testing. And so now Larry Scott, whose obviously job is on the line, is saying that they have a decent chance of being back in January. But you wonder, is there going to be a press to come back a little earlier?
2: Well, there will be, but um, you know, I mean, I just don't know that's something you can necessarily do at this point. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that there will be some pressure to do that, but you know, they've got their set up. I mean, you know, it, you know, it, it begs the larger issue too: is is I mean, should we be investing uh, these kind of immediate testing results and the most advancing testing stuff to college football players or, or frontline health workers? So, I mean. You know, I, I, I applaud them for the stance that they took, and, and we'll see if they stay with it. They've got a plan in place, and there will be pressure to, to make changes, though, that's for sure. But um, right now, I think that they're they're kind of uh, on track for starting in January, despite a lot of people not, not being very happy about it.
1: How do you read what the uh, <clears throat> Pac-12 presidents did in kind of setting up an, an advisory group to advise them when they have Larry Scott there as the commissioner?
2: Well, it's obviously not a vote of confidence, and I saw that Jeff Smollian was one of the names on that list. So, I mean, it just made me shake my head and, and think, what are they thinking? But um, the short of it is it's a, it's, a, it's a vote of no confidence in Larry Scott, and it's understandable. I mean, uh, beyond this thing, uh, the Pac-12 network has basically uh, not been what it, what it was set up to be. It has not been the panacea. It's been in other places, and that was his baby uh, – scheduling in the pac-12 has been uh has been a problem for everyone you know with the late games the bad time slots so uh, a pretty clear vote of no confidence in larry scott
1: yeah no doubt about that that's like and that's uh, you can see <clears throat> yeah, i think what he has a contract through 2021 you wonder if he's going to make it to the end
2: well i mean it's just one year away john so i mean uh my my hunch is that he will make it to the end but um you know, beyond that, it does. It, this is, this is not make you feel like that they're going to resign him. I mean, and that's uh, that's probably the biggest understatement of the day.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt about that. So that's on the agenda, and of course, uh, Mariners get back against the Texas Rangers after missing the three games against the A's.
2: Exciting to watch the Mariners play. There, they're in a good run right now. Uh, you know, uh, not so quietly. They're starting pitching has, has stepped up to serve them very well. Uh, you know, they they made their they made their deadline moves so. Uh, they're playing out the string uh, to, to a large extent, but uh, I think have shown us all that, that there is a bright future on the horizon, assuming guys stay healthy and continue to improve. As we've seen them improving, I mean, it, it appears as though they've, they've, they've done their job in getting the talent, and now it's the job of the development guys to, to develop that talent and, and put an end to that drought.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And so uh, what's on your agenda this weekend?
2: Well, I, I told you, man, I let it slip. I mean, three game sevens, the derby. Uh, basketball playoffs, uh, it's just it's just in front of the TV, and then uh, getting out with the mask on to get, in, to get in a good, healthy walk every day and, and uh, staying out of trouble.
1: Well, that's going to be good. So have yourself a great uh, clowny Day weekend and uh, enjoy. <laughs> so
2: we're going to talk on Monday, right? We'll you talk on, on Monday, Monday,
1: yes. Same, same time, you, same uh, place. Have happy Labor Day. Okay, sounds good. And, of course, I'll be back tomorrow from uh, eight, 8 to 9, taking your phone calls. Curtis Rogers, again, thank you so much.
3: Thank you, John. It's game week next week.
1: It is. How about that? Game week on Thursday uh, with KC Houston. And, of course, getting ready for the Seahawks open up against the Atlanta Falcons. Hey, this is the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.